from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I'd like to invite you to visit our ministry website, where you can find all kinds of great video, audio, and print resources. If you like our programs, easily share them with a friend or family member. You'll find it all online at djkm.org. There is a famous saying that you've undoubtedly heard before that says, there's no I in team. Teamwork requires selflessness. It requires unity and a joint ambition towards a common goal. In order to work successfully on a team, you need to be a team player and not concerned with yourself. There are countless stories of sports teams achieving the unthinkable through sheer willpower and determination. I'm reminded of one story in particular about a young man named Roger Bannister, the first person to run a mile in under four minutes. At the time, many thought breaking the four-minute mile was physiologically impossible. But Roger had a trick up his sleeve. He used his friends to pace him for the majority of the race and then sprinted his way to a world record time of 3 minutes 59 seconds. It's always great to have people on your team to encourage you and help you when you need help the most. The good news for us as Christians is that we have God on our team. No matter who our adversaries are, we know that God is for us. Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, Who Can Be Against Us? Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from one of the most glorious passages in all of Holy Writ. The culmination of Paul's great statement of the Christian faith, which occupies all eight chapters, the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. We shall begin our reading with chapter 8, beginning with verse 28. May we hear the inspired and infallible word of the living God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him 
also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And may God speak to our hearts and minds through this, his holy word. <clears throat> Paul has just completed, in the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, the greatest, most complete statement of the Christian gospel that is found anywhere in the Bible. And he comes to this conclusion, what would be called the peroration, if it were a speech. And uh, he then asks this very interesting question. What then shall we say to these things? Having heard the incredible good news of the gospel, how do we respond to such a thing? Many people, like myself and many of you on first hearing the gospel, found it to be almost unbelievable and wondered how to respond. Well, Paul responds by asking five interrogatives, by five questions that take it and apply it to your life. And I would like for you to think with me about those today, these life application questions that he asks, and they are profound. First of all, he asked this question in verse 31, If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, this is not as if the question is up in the air. He has made it abundantly clear that God is for us. That is the whole message of the Bible, that God is for us. He is on our side. He's on our team. He's the captain as well as the Lord and Savior and God of that team. And therefore, who can be against us? Now, Paul had known many adversaries in his ministry. They pursued him. They hounded him. They sought his life. They would gladly have snuffed it out if they could. And uh, therefore, Paul knew something about what he was speaking about. Each one of us has his adversaries. We have those that would speak ill of us, those that would attempt to hurt us. Indeed, those that belong to Christ can make sure that they will have adversaries. They will have those that will oppose them, will attack them, 
That is inevitably a part of the job that we have. We will be opposed by those that oppose God. If they were all in favor of God, they would be in favor of us if we were faithful. But we may know that if we faithfully perform our tasks, there will be those that will attack us as they attack Christ himself. If they had loved me, they would love you, said Jesus. But the world hates Christ naturally. It is naturally at enmity with him, and that spills over to those that would be his followers. Do you have those that are your enemies? Of course we all do. Whether you're in the ministry or out, you have some people who attack you, who don't like you, who would do whatever they could to hurt you. And especially if we stand for morality, if we stand for decency, if we stand for godliness, we may certainly be most assured of the fact that there will be those that will stand against us. But, says Paul, never mind that, be not afraid, because Christ is our partner. Jehovah is our partner, and therefore we are quite capable of handling any adversaries that should come against us. And that is a glorious and wonderful thing, to know that the great God Jehovah is with you and has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you and that he will help you. What a marvelous promise that is. Do you daily take that up and rejoice in it, knowing that you have his protection, that you are hedged about by the great triune God, as Paul was, as Luther was, and as we ourselves can be? We don't need to worry about our enemies because Christ has promised that he will take care of them. So who can be against us is a question to ponder if we are believers and to rejoice in the conclusion that no one can. No one can effectively be against us. Ultimately, Christ gains the victory over all of his and our enemies. And that is a source of great joy in my heart, and I am sure in yours as well. And the second question that he would have us to ponder is this. If we not only have someone that can handle all of our adversaries, we also note that he says that we don't have to worry about necessities, about needs, because he has also promised that he will, with Christ, also freely give us all things. Having given us the greatest, he will not hesitate to give us the less. If I were to give, let us say, my daughter for your sake, to give up her life for you, and that is extraordinarily unlikely. And that has got to be the understatement of the year. If I were to be willing to do that for you, what do I have that I would not give for you? 
This is what God is telling us, that we have his promise of provision because he has given us his son. May I point out something to you? God's giving of his son is the only thing that God has ever given to you that cost him anything. Nothing is what everything else he has given to you amounts to. Nada. Nothing at all. If he were to give you a hundred billion dollars, it would be nothing to him. If he were to give you the entire world, it would be nothing. Why? Because he made it out of nothing. And so to him, it is nothing. If he were to give you a billion galaxies, that is nothing at all. The only thing that God has ever given to you or to me or to anyone that is of value to him is the life of his son. And that is of infinite value. And having given us his son, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? Thirdly, he asks the question, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who can bring some charge against you before the judge because the judge's decision is already in and you have been justified. The case is closed. You have won. You have been declared innocent, justified, righteous in the sight of God. And therefore, there is no one that can lay any charge against you at all. And fourthly, who is he that condemneth? Who is going to condemn us? The penalty has been paid. Christ has suffered for it all. The problem of condemnation is settled forever. It is Christ who has endured it. Will you bring some charge of condemnation against Anyone else, says Paul, bring it against me. You'll have to bring it before Christ. And Christ is the one that has already died. Yea, is risen again from the dead. And therefore, there is no condemnation that we need fear. And fifthly and finally, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The question of perseverance. There are many people that begin the Christian life well, but soon they begin to wonder, can they hold out? Will they be able to persevere? And who is going to enable us to hold on? And to that question, Paul answers, who shall separate us? from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness 
or peril or sword. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. We cannot be separated from his love. Though we may lose our grip, that's not the whole story. It's not even the most important part of the story. The wonderful thing is that Christ has reached down and taken us himself, and no man taketh them out of my Father's hand, said Christ. For no one is as strong as God, and he is holding on to us in such a way that we can never be removed from his grip. I recall years ago reading about a, a man in the middle of the 1800s that was walking in the central part of this country on a long journey. And at length he came to a river that was strange to him. It was midwinter, it was late at night, and it was unfamiliar. He was afraid that he might get out into the middle of this river, which was several hundred yards across, and that the ice would give way and that he would, be, that he would plunge beneath the ice to a dark and freezing death. And so he got down on his knees and he began to crawl. But still his heart began to beat faster. And finally he got down on his face and he's inching his way forward, feeling with his fingers, trying to ascertain if the ice is thick enough to hold him. When at length he hears the voice of singing. And off to his left, a hundred or two feet or so, and back behind him, he hears an approaching voice. And then the sound of horses' hooves. And at length, he can make out in the shadows a large wagon filled with logs and a man driving it, which is pulled by several horses, while he sings a happy song. Obviously, that man knows a lot more about this river than he does. And after having passed by this traveler, he rather shamefacedly rises to his feet and then begins to walk across the other half of the river and even at length singing a song. There are many people that go through the Christian life like that and they never really have the joy of knowing not only have they been saved, not only are they secure, but they have the very assurance of God that he will never let them go. Do you have that blessed assurance? Are you singing as you go your way through this life with all of its problems, trials, and tribulations? You can, you know, if you know that Christ is holding on to you and that he has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Ah, dear friend, whatever the problems that may come to you in this life, you have the promises of Christ which meet them all. And we are more than conquerors 
through him that loved us. What a glorious thought that is. We are not merely conquerors. We are more than conquerors through Christ. And what a fullness of joy that can bring to your lives. Do you have that, that joy in your heart? Do you know that Christ will never let you go? Do you know that you are going forth in victory? Paul says elsewhere, he always leadeth us forth in triumph. What a magnificent statement that is. Ah, dear one, I hope that you will lay claim to and lay hold on those marvelous, wonderful promises that Paul would have us to consider as he asks these questions and know just how glorious is that salvation which Christ has wrought. May we pray. Father, may we go through this world with singing, knowing that thou art with us and hath promised never to leave us. And so may we know that not only are we saved and safe and secure, but we may rejoice and sing as we go. O oh God, grant unto us that joy, even in the midst of the coldest and darkest of nights. I pray this in the incomparable name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What a marvelous promise we have that Christ died and rose again and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. That's the promise we have if we've received the gift of eternal life. Do you have that gift, my friend? Do you know for certain that when you die, you'll be in heaven with God? You can know that. You see, God offers the free gift of eternal life to all who will transfer their trust from their own efforts to get into heaven to what His Son Jesus did on the cross. If you haven't come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I urge you right now to ask Him to come into your heart to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to give you life to the full now and for eternity. You can do that by praying this prayer with me right now, saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm not worthy of your love and forgiveness. And yet, you've said, whoever believes in me has everlasting life. I'm taking you at your word and I'm placing my trust in you completely. Forgive me for my sins and thank you for the free gift of eternal life. In your name I pray, amen. To help you get started in your new life with Christ, we'd like to send you Beginning Again. In these pages, you'll learn how to pray, how to read and study God's Word, and even how to witness to others. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. May God bless you as you do. If we truly answer the question, who can be against us, the answer is undoubtedly no one. Christ will always gain the victory over his 
and our enemies. There are many, though, who set themselves against Christians by defaming us as haters, simply for following biblical teaching on issues like marriage. We have a great new resource that we would like you to have. It's the book, Confronting Lies and Hate, Responding with Truth and Grace, by veteran Christian journalist Robert Knight. The idea that Christians are motivated by hate is a false and slanderous charge made by those on the left trying to silence believers, and we must refute it. This powerful book shows you what's behind this false accusation and provides biblical responses to those charges. It's an ideal tool for those navigating these perilous times, and it will also make a great gift for a child or grandchild in college where these sorts of attacks are at their worst. We'll send you Confronting Lies and Hate, Responding with Truth and Grace by Robert Knight as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. As you donate, you will also be helping us move forward in our federal lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as Amazon.com. We have filed suit because the SPLC has wrongly designated us as a hate group, and Amazon has excluded us from their charity program on that basis. We simply cannot let these utterly false and defamatory charges of hate stand. So we're fighting back. We are entering the very critical and expensive discovery phase of our lawsuit, peering behind the curtains of the SPLC's expansive lies, deceit, and hate. But they have vast resources. This is our David and Goliath moment, and we need you to stand with us. If you are able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we will send you the book, Confronting Lies and Hate, Responding with Truth and Grace, as well as the DVD, Prophets of Hate, the Southern Poverty Law Center, newly updated and expanded. This special program exposes the true agenda of the SPLC and how they make enormous financial profits by stoking fear and lodging false accusations. That's the brand new book, Confronting Lies and Hate, Responding with Truth and Grace, as well as the updated and expanded DVD, Prophets of Hate, the Southern Poverty Law Center, as our thanks for your generous donation of $50 or more to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888 888- 332-3069 or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.